Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. Love is not uh, enough. Can you say love is not enough? This statement is not a statement that you hear often, and it's definitely not a statement that you hear often in church. But I firmly believe that uh, this message can change the world, can make everything better if the true essence of it can be grasped and applied. So let's start off by reading uh, John 3.16, a very popular area of scripture. I have it on the screen for us. Can we read it together on the count of three? One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. A beautiful verse, right? Very popular verse, one of the First verses that people has a tendency to, to hear or remember, it, it, it's a foundational verse uh, for our faith. And so oftentimes when, oftentimes when you read it and think about it, we just consider it in the totality of itself. Like God loved the world and he gave his son Jesus Christ. And if we believe in him, we're going to have eternal life. In other words, we're not going to go to hell. But I want to throw a little... A little uh, kink in it today. Let's go to the next slide. What would have happened if it ended right here? If all we got was for God so loved the world and everything else was taken away. The fact of him giving his son didn't exist. All we got God loved the world. That he gave his only son didn't happen. And since he didn't give his only son, all who believed in him would not perish but have eternal life would not be a follow-up to the verse. But all we got was this. Could we really say that love would be enough then? Because it's not love that saved us. It's Jesus' death and resurrection that has saved us. So with this idea, and thank the Lord, it's just an idea. It's not a reality. With this idea, can we really think and say that love is enough? In my opinion, no. Because if God's love is not enough, what, how can we think that if all we have to do is love, is enough? So let's dive a little bit deeper. See, God loved the world, and that's the foundation. That's what really creates a gateway or a path for everything else to follow. So God loved the world, and he gave to the world. He gave because 
he loved. He didn't stop with love. The world is his creation. We are made in his image and in his likeness. There is a natural love there. Please remember that, 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 that word, our two words, natural love. We're going to get back on that at the end. He could have just ended there because, you know, we, we are his children. And there was just a natural affection, a natural love, but he didn't stop. He took it further by giving. He gave goodness. He has given help. He has given grace. He's given salvation. He's given mercy. He has given to humanity, and he still gives to humanity. And if you really want to dive into what he gives, there's probably more than what I'm about to say, but just to sum it up in three things that he gives. He gives, he gives to needs. We had a need of salvation. He gives to what matters. Us going to heaven or hell matters. And he gives to desire. And it is an internal desire of humanity to connect with God, whether we realize it or not. It is an eternal desire to be in eternity that is good as opposed to a horrible, which is hell. So God gave, based off these three things, needs, uh, what matters to and for us, and desires, Now, I'm speaking in the context of salvation, but if you really think about it, if you really have a relationship, like I I have a relationship with God. I I can say that very safely, very seriously. And in my life, God has given to me based off of my needs, not just in the context of salvation. God has given to me based off of what matters to me. I can honestly say God has not everything, but God has blessed me with a lot of things that really matter to me. And I can honestly say that God has given to me at times based off of my desires. So now let's bring this home to us. There are people we love. That, and that love is just a byproduct of our nature of our relationship. There's people in our life that we just love. But now let me ask you the question that I asked concerning God a few moments ago. Is you simply loving them enough? You just loving your children. Let's take out the equation of giving You just loving your children, is that enough? You just loving your spouse, is that enough? You just loving your neighbor, as the Bible commands, is that enough? Remove giving. Is it enough? No. Ask my kids, and they will say, no, I need my parents to give me something. 
Ask my wife. She will say, absolutely not. He's my man, and I need him to give me something. And I will throw it right back at her. The idea of love can be taken uh, wrongly. The totality of it, the big picture of it, can be overlooked. There's a little phrase that has came into our society over the last uh, couple years, love is love. Love is not love. You cannot just get by with saying, I love you, without putting some blood, sweat, and tears in it. It just doesn't work. You can tell God, I love you all day long, but if you're not willing to put some steps behind that declaration, there is a problem. You can tell your significant other that you love them all day long, but if there is not some choices that is based around that, there is going to be some issues. If you're going to sustain a healthy, life-giving, helpful relationship with the people you love. Love is not enough. There has to be giving that comes after love. So we have to ask ourselves, what do we need to give? Different loves require different types of giving. You look at scripture, you find various types of loves. There's, there's a, a, a familiar type of love, a love for family. There's a brotherly love. There is an eros love, that's a sexual love. There's an agape love, that is an unconditional love. There's different types of loves, and different types of loves require different types of giving. So I have an agape love for my wife and my children. For some, I have a brotherly love for Brad. What I give to my family, I am not going to give to him. It's two different loves. He has an agape love for Angie. He has a brotherly love for me. He is not going to give me what he gives Angie. Just doesn't work that way. So again, love is not love. So depending on the type of love that we have for the different types of people in our life determines what we need to give. But we can ask ourselves, how can we give like God gives? In other words, how can we give according to the needs of the people we love? How can we give according to what matters to the people we love? How can we give according to the desires of the people we love? It's very simple. Everybody you love, no matter what level of love that is, has needs, has matters, and has desires. And you can give according to those three types of giving 
to anybody on, on any kind of level of love in your life. You can help with someone's desires. You can help with what matters to someone. And you can help with someone's basics and basic needs. So, for instance, let's look at some things we can give that is based off of love. This is more in an emotional, in a soulish realm, not so much in the physical. We can give encouragement instead of discouragement. People you love need your encouragement. They don't need your discouragement. You can give positivity. You can give something that's positive as, as opposed to something that's negative. People you love need you to be positive. They don't need you to be negative. Now, there's a time when you, you need to have a conversation and discuss the truth. Sometimes truth can be taken as a negative conversation. And that's not necessarily always the case, but it can be the case. But the focus of most of your conversations with people should be based off of what's positive and not what's negative. People doesn't need to hear what you consider what is negative inside of you. It does nothing good for the family. It does nothing good for the relationship. It does nothing good for the atmosphere. Just because you don't like something doesn't give you a right to express to everybody in your life that you don't like something. Keep it to yourself and learn how to get over it. And if you can't get over it, just shut up about it. I love you. <laughs> mm, I really do. We can give peace instead of conflict. Some people just like to fight. Whether it be verbally, emotionally, physically, I was known in, in high school to be a fighter. I didn't get in tons of fights, but I fought simply because I was a new guy in town and I had some guys picking on me and I wasn't going to take it. Mississippi boy, don't do that. But I can honestly say I never liked to. I hated it. Like, I didn't want to get in a fight. I just wanted to chill out and do my thing and you do your thing. But I've met people who actually like to fight. Like, they like it. They like the violence. They like the arguing. They like the yik yakking. They like it. I was as blessed are the peacemakers. And having that kind of heart and that kind of attitude. It, it doesn't give love. If you're always wanting to fight with someone verbally. If you're always wanting to fight with someone in an arguing way. If you're always wanting to physically fight somebody because you're having a bad day or whatever it might be. Man, come on. That's not what we should give out of love. Forgiveness instead of resentment. That's a tough one. You've been hurt. Maybe you've been damaged. Maybe you've suffered because of someone else's choices. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't... I, I, you know, I don't make light of that. But when you hold resentment, guess what? It's like a sickness in your body. It destroys you more than it destroys the people you have resentment toward. What heals you, even after hurt, 
This is going to be a revelation for somebody. What heals you after you've been hurt is to continue loving the person that hurts you. I'm not saying you should be best friends with them. I'm not even saying you should let them back into your life because there are some offenses that absolutely sever the relationship. I think it's safe to say we, we can all agree on, on there are things that people do to us that sever relationships. But you do not have to allow your heart to be severed from loving them. Because it's not God. And it's not God's kind of love. And it's not the kind of love that will heal you. Kindness instead of harshness. Affection instead of coldness. These things is what we can give to people. If you really think about it, it will change the world. Being positive can change your surroundings. Giving, uh, giving peace can change your surroundings. Giving encouragement, giving forgiveness, giving kindness, giving affection can change your surroundings, change your community. It could literally change the world. It's important that we realize that we need to give what matters instead of what we're comfortable giving. Let me say that again. It's important that we realize we need to give what matters instead of what we're just comfortable giving. It's easy to love somebody in a way that you're comfortable with. But how about if the person or the people you're loving needs something from you that takes you out of your comfort zone? What happens if all you choose to do is love them based off of your comfort slash discomfort and not based off of their need? What you have is a sinking relationship that it will eventually spread apart. When Jesus was on the cross, it was an act of love. I think it's safe to say he was not comfortable. There's too many examples in scripture that we see people gave out of, uh, uh, in an uncomfortable way. But they gave because of love. Is it really love if we only give out of comfort as opposed to giving out of sacrifice? I will say this, it could be a type of love, but it definitely isn't the highest level of love. And the highest level of love is what we call, is what the scripture calls in the Greek, agape love. It's the love that God gave to us. It's a love that he established between a husband and a wife. If you only love in a way that is comfortable... You are not loving at the highest level of love. Loving at the highest level is a love 
that changes the world. You can't just love somebody. You can't just love someone erotically. It only takes you so far. You can't just love someone in a family, in, in a familiar, a family type way. It only goes so far. We have to be willing to love someone, even when it takes us into the zone of being uncomfortable. Oh, I'm going over my time. Let me jump to section three. This is the last section. I want to read to you Genesis chapter 29, uh, verses uh, 16. Give me about five minutes, going five minutes over my my time. I I, I want you to see a really example of someone who was in love and this someone was willing to do something uncomfortable. This is when Jacob uh, marries Rachel. This is in Genesis chapter 29, uh, verses uh, 16 through 30. So a little bit of a read. So uh, it kind of comes to you in a story form. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, and this is him talking to Laban, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you that, than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel And they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, this is very interesting. Give me my wife for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. If you read uh, like NIV version, ESV version, it actually says so that I may go and make love to her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went in to her. And Laban gave his maid Zippah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. little switcheroo going on there. And he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel as wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob also went in to Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. A biblical love story. With some downs and some ups, some deceit, and finally the prince getting the princess. 
What's very interesting here is you see that Jacob just naturally loved Rachel. It was just a natural love. Remember, I said, remember that term, natural love. God has a natural love for us. Jacob looked at Rachel. The Bible teaches us that she was beautiful in form and looks. The Bible teaches us that she was also a shepherdess. She was a rare one. And Jacob loved her. It was a natural love. A love that came easy. A love didn't, that didn't require a lot of work. God loves us the same way. In a very natural way. We are rarities. We are made in his image and in his likeness. We carry a beautiful form and we carry a beautiful look because we are made in his image and in his likeness. Of all the wonderful, majestic creatures on earth, we are different than every one of them. We carry a beauty and we carry a form that no other being on earth carries. And just like God had a natural love for Rachel, just like Jacob had a natural love for Rachel, God has a natural love for us. But Jacob's natural love for Rachel was not enough. He worked for her dad for a total of 14 years in order to have her as his wife. Jacob gave of his life to work for his father-in-law because he loved her. God gave his son, Jesus Christ, so that you can I, so that you can I, you and I, sorry, can be saved. You see, To really show love, there has to be action that is based off of the love one might express. Love is not just love. And love alone is not enough. My heart here is really for our families. If you want to get all spiritual with it, you can. And my mind does go there, but that's not the push in my heart for this message. You know, we can get all spiritual and be like, you know, if we really love the world and we really love God, we're going to go and put that love to action for our neighbor, for the stranger, for the needy. And that's good. Please don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm not lessening that. But where I'm really coming from and what I'm, why I'm really sharing this has to do with the dynamics of our families. Like what's going on in your home? What's going on between you and your children, you and your, your non-immediate family members? What's going on between you and your spouse? What's going on? 
I mean, I'm sure you love them. They're your children or you're married to them or there's someone in your family. But I want you to ask yourself a simple question this morning. How are you giving to them? How are you giving to them? Because the fact that you love them really isn't enough. If you want a strong, healthy, dynamic, beautiful relationship with the people in your life, then love is not enough. The people in your life, they have needs. They have things that matter. And they have desires. And if you truly love them, their needs, their matters, their desires should be an important factor in your love toward them. A consistent exercise in what we give to family members because we love them can literally change a family around. It can make a marriage more intimate. It can bring us closer to our children. It can cause outside family members to be more unified and realize that they're loved even when they're on the outside looking in or even when they ostracize themselves. Everyone or most people knows the story of my brother addicted to heroin for 10 years in and out of the system. Like, I'm not even going to say the amount, but there's an ungodly amount of money that he stole from the family. He will tell you today the reason He's, he's, he's working on his doctorates to be a, to be a, a counselor, psych, psych, psychiatric counselor. He's a, he, he's a minister, singer-songwriter. He would tell you the reason he was set free from his addiction was because of the love of his family. There's times we wanted to beat him. Like just to a few inches of his life. Like he deserved a beating dude. We loved him. We just didn't say we loved him. We embraced him. And all his stuff. That's just a little personal story. I could give you tons of stories over the course of 30 years of ministry that I've witnessed people love people not with just words but with deeds and it changed everything husbands don't just love your wife with words love them with deeds deeds that matter deeds that meet needs deeds of desire wives don't just love your husbands with words love your husbands with deeds that meet needs, deeds that matter, deeds that fulfill desires. Children, love your families, love your parents, not with just words, 
but with deeds of needs, what matters and desires. Love is not enough, but love, when done rightly, will change the world. God did it rightly. He gave what we had need of. He gave what really mattered to us. And he gave what was desirable. And the world was forever changed. Your world can be changed if you simply love the right way. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.